Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 22 on Abraham sacrificing and burning the ram instead of his son Isaac, and how blessings are always linked to sacrifice, especially the sacrifice of God's only begotten son. Now, we have so much to be thankful for. Are you thankful for the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you thankful for thousands of years that the Jewish people preserved the Scriptures for us today so that we could better understand who God is and have His written Word to encourage us? Many of those faithful Jewish people in the Old Testament, as well as the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, would want us to reach their lost relatives. They are God's chosen nation of people, but most of Israel today, the vast majority, is lost. And Tom Cantor and all of us here at Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries want to reach God's lost nation of brothers and sisters. Now, will you help us to do that? With a gift amount of $10 or more of support to reach lost Jewish people, we will send you Tom Cantor's life story and a wonderful track, and also, How Would You Learn the True Meaning of Christmas?, that's also another track that you can give out at Christmas time or Hanukkah. Support this Bible teaching radio program and Jewish evangelism by calling us now at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher on Friendship with God. This brings to us the truth as we've been seeing before in Isaiah forty-five twenty-two, where God says, Look unto me and be ye saved. All ye ends of the earth, for I am God, and there's none else. Where did he say that? On the cross. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent, and he said, look at the serpent, look at it. And he said, as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up in John 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that who believes in him, believes what in him? That he's God on the cross, dying for the sins. Look unto me on the cross, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else, from Isaiah 45, 22. So the Moriah, God shows the revelation, it shows, as in Revelation, and the revelation is Jehovah Jireh, that God has seen in the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. When the thief was on the cross, the good thief, I don't know which one was on the right hand, I guess it was on the right hand, he humbles himself, and he says in Luke 23, But the other answering rebuked him, see the good one rebukes him, and says, Does not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? So in other words, he's saying, And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. In other words, he's humbling himself, and he says, This cross is what I deserve. I have sinned. I am rightly condemned. We are rightly condemned. But he's speaking of himself. I am rightly condemned. I'm receiving here what I do. That's humbling himself. And he said that, he was humbling himself. And then God revealed to him that that was God next to him on the cross dying for his sins. So he confesses in the next verse, he said unto Jesus, Lord, God, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. So when he calls him Lord, he was saying Jehovah Jireh. He was saying, see, Moriah had happened to him. God showed him. And he was saying, I see God. God shall be seen. I see God on this cross next to me at Calvary. I see him. And then, so he had the marriage of the two names of Moriah and Jehovah Jireh on the very mount where this was said. So we've seen this beauty wrapped up in these two names for the same place. First, Moriah, God shows, teaching us that God saves us from our sins by showing us or revealing to us Jehovah Jireh, that God was there. And so it's teaching us that it's God who died on the cross for our sins. So these two truths that we've just seen here about Moriah and Jehovah Jireh, they really impressed Abraham on Mount Moriah. I mean, he was just blown away because he saw it there. 
And the Lord Jesus Christ spoke about it. He says, well, that was some day for Abraham. He saw my day. Where? There. He saw my day. And he rejoiced in it, the Lord said. So he was a happy man as he was there. But that was Abraham. What about Isaac? When Isaac looked back on Mount Moriah, what did Isaac think about? <laughs> Isaac thought, that's the place where I was saved from the fire of judgment. That was Isaac's thought. He says, you know, good for Abraham. God shows him it's God done on the cross. Me? I had a close call on that mountain. You know, whew, boy, I ain't never going up a mountain again. <laughs> he says, he says you know, that was a close one. So he's impressed with the fact that he was saved from the fire of judgment. Now, when we put this all together, we think about Mount Calvary or Mount Moriah here. These three thoughts are what we should be meditating on. These three thoughts are what should dwell in us richly, as the Bible says, when we think about Moriah. Number one, when we look at Calvary, the first thought is Moriah. God showed to me what happened on Mount Calvary. That's the first thought we should always have in our mind when we think about Calvary, that it was revealed to us. We didn't discover it. We didn't take a home Bible correspondence course and get it. God revealed it to us. It could have come through some teaching, but in the final analysis, God revealed it. So we know we've been, it's been revealed. That's the first thought. Second thought is Jehovah Jireh. When we think about Mount Calvary, we think that was God on the cross dying for me, dying for my sins. That's the second thought. And those are Abraham's two thoughts. And the last thought we have is Isaac's thought. When we think of Calvary, we think, that's the place I was saved from the fire of judgment, at Calvary. Those are the three thoughts where we see where Calvary was. We always talk about God the Son, and that's true, of the Lord Jesus Christ. But on Calvary, he became God the Lamb. See, he was God the Son who became God the Lamb. So that's what we think of. We think of God the Lamb on Calvary, and I was saved from the fire of judgment at Calvary. Those are the three thoughts. So as, as they go off this mountain here, Abraham looks back and he says, God showed me. God showed me that God's going to die for my sins. And Isaac turns back and he says, that's where I was saved from the fire of judgment. Those are the three thoughts that should dwell in us richly, that we should be meditating on when we think about Calvary. This place of Moriah is where God revealed to Abraham. It's going to be the place where God the Lamb is going to die. In Genesis 22, God revealed to Abraham that it's Mount Moriah. It's that place where the Lord Jesus Christ is going to die for the sins. That was the revelation. We're in Genesis. This is Genesis 22. It's going to be a long time. I don't think we'll ever get to it. But anyway, before we get to the book of Micah, <laughs> it was a thousand years later. It might take us a thousand years to get there too. Uh, to get to the book of Micah, where in Micah 5.2 it says, But thou, Bethlehem, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth. So in other words, that was the revelation in Micah of the birthplace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So why? Why did God reveal that Mount Moriah, why did God first reveal that Mount Moriah was the place of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ before he revealed Bethlehem as the place of his birth? Because Mount Moriah shows the purpose of why he came to earth. It's the why he came to earth. It's more important than the that he came to earth or the where he came to earth. Bethlehem, he came to earth to die for our sins. And that's the emphasis. So in Psalm 2.6, when God says, Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. 
When did the Lord set his king upon his holy hill of Zion? When did that happen? It happened in Luke 23, 38, where it says, And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. That's when God set his, holy, his king upon his holy hill of Zion. When Pilate put that sign up there over his cross, it was God saying, that's right, Pilate, you betcha, because I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. That was the time when God, the king, the lamb, died for our sins, and he set his king upon his holy hill of Zion to make us righteous. That's wonderful. Okay, when he said, this is the king of the Jews, that was God setting his king. Now, we see in verse 15 that God calls to Abraham the second time. Now, what's the reason for God calling to Abraham the second time? Because he says, I want to bless you. I want to really bless you. In blessing, I'm going to bless you. That's the reason. Now, for a moment, we kind of let our minds just sort of imagine a little bit on Mount Moriah there. We're back on Mount Moriah. And we see the scene, and we hear the sounds. There's some sounds. And we smell the smells, and we feel the feelings that Abraham felt. And we can see Abraham there, and he's standing next to this sacrifice that's burning up. It's the ram. He's burning up. And we see the, the ram there burning up. And we hear the sound of the crackling fire. There's burning up the land. And we smell the smoke of the fire as is top of the mountain as the winds kind of whirl around up there and the smoke's all over the place. And we see Abraham. He's standing right next to the burning sacrifice. He's right standing there, right there. And the ram's burning. And it's while the ram is burning and Abraham is standing there that God gives him the blessing. Right there. It's almost like we can see Abraham, he's like, maybe sometimes he's engulfed in the smoke of this sacrificial ram as it's burning up there, and sort of engulfed in the smoke, then God says, here's the blessing, great blessing. While the ram is on fire, while the ram is burning, while Abraham is sort of engulfed in the smoke, this great blessing comes to Abraham. Now, with that scene, we can see how linked the sacrifice is for Abraham to get the blessing. And it was at that time, as he's standing there, that God says, in blessing, I'll bless you. Now, that's a picture for us that shows us how linked we are to the Lord Jesus Christ in his sacrifice. You know, don't ever turn your back on Calvary and say, well, that's gory. I don't want anything to do with that. Don't ever do that. Because this scene teaches us that as we're in Christ, and this is the wonderful term that's throughout the New Testament, in Christ, John 14, 20, at that day you shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me and I and you. The question is, how close did we become to the Lord Jesus Christ when we became a Christian by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ? We became so close that he said, you in me, and you in me is salvation, and no one is saved unless they are in Christ. And we became so close to the Lord Jesus Christ that he said, I in you. And that's sanctification. That's a changed life. See, these two of being in Christ for salvation and Christ being in us for a changed life, that's what's brought together in 2 Corinthians 5.17 when it says that if any man be in Christ, that's the in Christ part, he is a new creature because Christ is in him. Old things are passed away, all things become new. See, that's the two truths that are married together in that verse. That's the two truths that are married together in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. In other words, ye and me, or us in Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That's the Christ in you. 
And therefore, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, in 1 Corinthians 1.30 where it says, But of him are ye in Christ, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. See, we are in Christ and the blessing flows. See, Abraham's on the mountain surrounded by the smoke of the sacrifice and the blessing flows. And the blessing flows to us of wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Now, how does this blessing of him being, being made, all these things happen? By us being in Christ, united with him. Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. See, those blessings don't come outside of Christ. Those blessings come in Christ. They all flow to us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He hath made him to be sin for us, who know no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's it, Bill. In him. We are made righteousness of God because we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3.9, Paul says, I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is after the law, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Be found in the Lord Jesus Christ means to not rely on our own righteousness, but on the righteousness of God. And Isaiah 45.25, in this talks about Israel. This talks about the Jewish people. This talks about the hope for the Jewish people. When it says, Isaiah 45, 25, In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and glory. How are the Jewish people going to be justified? What are they going to be proud of? In the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to be justified. They're going to say, not my righteousness, but the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm boasting about that. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not out of the flesh but out of the Spirit. No condemnation, only to those who are in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 5.14, greet you one another with a, holy, with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. So where does the peace come from? For those who are in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.26-29, for we are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's therefore now, there's no Greek, there's no Jew or Greek, there's no bond or free, there's no male or female. You are all one in Christ. And if you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in just one moment here on Friendship with God. We want to encourage you to support the Friendship with God radio program. Maybe you listen to this Bible teaching, Old Testament teaching radio program while you're driving or listening at home or downloading and listening to these messages on the go. And you're growing in your knowledge of God and with your walk with God and friendship with God. We want to encourage you to just support this Bible teaching radio program. Tom Cantor received so many encouraging phone calls, letters, and emails about how you enjoy this Bible teaching radio program. We want to encourage you to support it so we continue airing on this station in this city. Call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or go online to friendshipwithgod.org and donate online to support this Bible teaching radio program, or again, 800-247-3051. Now let's continue our Bible study with Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. So here we're told that when we believe into, and that's a good way to look at it, God so loved the world, 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth into, believed into the Lord Jesus Christ, that they become the children of faith. Children of faith. We're baptized into. And then when, when that happened, then rank disappears, bond and free. Gender disappears, male and female. Uh, Jew and Gentile disappears. Because to be one in Christ, to be owned by Christ, is, and it makes us all Abraham's seed and heirs, according to the promise we're reading about. For in him, Colossians 2, 9 through 10, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You're complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. The word dwells there means to be housed permanently, to reside in, like living in a city. So it means that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, we're in him, we abide in him, he lives in us, he takes up his residence in us, and when that happens, the fullness is there and we're complete. It's the same word that's used in Ephesians 3.17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And in Colossians 3.16, it speaks of not only Christ, but it speaks of the word of Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another, psalms, hymns, spiritual psalms, singing grace in your heart. Fullness, great abundance. Now, verse 16, there's a great oath here. He says, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, because thou hast done this thing. This is the great oath. Only time in the Bible. This is the only time in the Bible when God ever swears by himself. It's the highest that he can. He couldn't go any higher than himself. Only time he ever does this. And we won't take the time to do it, but you read Hebrews 6, 13 through 20. gives a whole commentary just on these words. By myself have I sworn. It says these wonderful phrases like, God, willing the more abundantly... It says these things, these very great things, to show to the heirs of promise the immutability of the counsel that we might have strong consolation to fled for refuge, to lay hold on the hope before us like an anchor. Now, it's a wonderful phrase. I know we don't have time to do this, so that's why I'm skipping over it. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to skip over that. Let me skip over this stuff. Okay. We'll keep skipping. All right. Now, <laughs> verse 16. God says, and he repeats it also a couple of verses later, he says this word, because thou hast done this thing. Now, when you look at this great blessing on Abraham in verse 17 and the greater oath in verse 16, we ask the question, what's the reason why God blessed Abraham? That's a simple question, right? What's the reason? Because thou hast done this thing. See, that word because in verse 16, is very important because it shows the cause of the blessing. What was the thing that Abraham did that caused him to do this? Because you didn't withhold your son, your only son. It shows Abraham was not blessed because he was Abraham. Abraham was not blessed automatically because he was Abraham. Did God want to multiply Abraham's seed? Yes, that was his plan. Was it automatic? No. Abraham had to do something. What did he have to do? He had to not withhold his son. It's very important for us to see in verse 16 what this verse is not saying. Verse 16 is saying to Abraham, Abraham, because thou hast done this thing, not withheld thy son, then in blessing I'll bless thee. Verse 16 is saying, Abraham, it's because of what you did that I'm blessing you. To make this point clear, let's see what the verse 16 and 17 is not saying. It's not saying, Abraham, because I want to multiply your seed, I'm going to do it and bless you. It's not saying, Abraham, because I am sovereign, I'm going to multiply your seed. It's saying, Abraham, because thou hast done this thing. Why is this an important point? Because there's a lot of talk today about the sovereignty of God 
And just this last week, a person told me, God is sovereign, which means that God controls everything that happens. Hmm? The problem with this view of the sovereignty of God is that it means that man's just a puppet. I mean, it's just a puppet, and God's holding the strings. He's controlling the puppet. Pawns moving around by God. See, verse 16 and 17 teaches against this view that God controls everything that happens. Abraham had to do something, and it was because he did something, by not withholding his son, that the blessing came. Abraham did that. God did not cause Abraham to not withhold his son. Abraham alone controlled his decision to not withhold his son. God left Abraham alone to make his own decision to either withhold or not withhold his son. And then God looked carefully and we'll see, well, what's Abraham going to do? Is he going to withhold or not withhold? And when God saw that Abraham on his own did not withhold his son, then God rewarded Abraham with this great blessing. And he said, because of that, because of your independent decision, Abraham, to not withhold thy son, thy own son, thy blessing and bless you. See, verse 16 and 17 is teaching us that God rewarded Abraham for not withholding his son. If God controlled Abraham and caused Abraham to make that decision, it wouldn't make any sense. He would never say, because. And this is the verse 16, because Bible principle. It's seen all throughout Scripture. This verse 16, because Bible principle, is seen when desperate people came to the Lord Jesus Christ, like blind Bartimaeus in Mark 10, 46 through 52. There he is standing by the wayside the highway side. He's begging. He hears Jesus come. He says, Jesus, thou son of God, have mercy on us. And people said, stop talking. You're, you're, making, you're making a scene. But he goes the more. He said, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus stands still. And he says in verse 52, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way. And then he says, you know why you received your sight? Thy faith hath made thee whole. Thy faith. And immediately he received his sight. See, that's the verse 16 because Bible principle. That applied to blind Bartimaeus. The Samaritan leper who gave thanks, the one out of the the 10, you remember, and he was there, and he gave thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ in Luke 17, 12 through 19. And then in verse 19, he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. It's because you had faith in me that you see. See, that's again the verse 16 because Bible principle. Because the Samaritan believed the Lord Jesus Christ could heal his leprosy, he was healed. And then we see it in the case of the woman who touched his garment in Matthew 9, 21 through 22. She says within herself, if I can just touch his garment, I'll be whole. And then he turns around and he says, daughter, be of good cheer. Thy faith hath made thee whole. It's because you had faith that by touching my garment that you would be made whole. That's why you're whole. That's why you're not hemorrhaging anymore. That's why, that's why your blood has stopped. See, that's again this verse 16 because Bible principle. And it's seen when desperate people come to the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's because of their faith in him that they're healed. See, this verse 16 because Bible principle shows us in exactly the same way God did not control these desperate people who came to him. He left them alone, and they made their own decision. And then he said, it's because of your faith. Because thou hast not withheld thy son, that in blessing I will bless thee. Because of thy faith, thou hast been made whole. See, he rewarded those desperate people with healing because they believed he has the power and the will to heal me. So this is verse 16, because Bible principle, that it's seen throughout the scripture, it's seen for lost sinners. In exactly the same way, God does not control lost sinners to decide to accept or reject the Lord Jesus Christ as their God the Lamb offering for their sin. Exactly the same way. 
is this verse 16, because Bible principle, it's true, all throughout Scripture, when Peter says, Acts 13, 38-39, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. See, it's this verse 16, because Bible principle, because you believe into the Lord Jesus Christ that you are justified from your sins. Another enlightening and edifying message from the Old Testament from Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher here on Friendship with God. And if you enjoy Tom Cantor's teaching, you'll love his writings. Now, Tom Cantor has written a powerful book that details 194 prophecies and fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ being the Messiah. Now, this book will show scriptures comparatively from the Old Testament prophecy with the New Testament fulfillment. Now, over 500 scriptures are denoted in this prophecy and fulfillment book by Tom Cantor. This amazing study reveals how Jesus of Nazareth was not just a historic figure, but the fulfillment of God's foretold plan to bring salvation to the Jews and Gentiles alike. A must-have for any Christian at Christmas time, and a great gift to give any Jewish person who may be searching for the truth and evidence of who the Jewish Messiah really is. Now, you can order this book, Prophecy and Fulfillment, by Tom Cantor by calling 800 247 Again, 800-247-3051. You can also order it online at our online bookstore located at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Lots of Tom Cantor resources there, some for free, some for purchase, and also many creation resource materials. And you can also download Tom Cantor's messages for free at friendshipwithgod.org or on iTunes.com. 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening and join us tomorrow.